to be able to share things that people might not like, but we love them enough to tell them that. And you know what? Good friends will love people enough to say things that they know they're not going to like, but they need to hear. Sometimes we want so much to be liked that we don't actually love people. We love ourselves more. Have you ever had a situation where you needed to say something to a friend that you knew they weren't going to like? and you didn't tell them because you didn't want to get them mad at you? Sure, everyone's done that. But Pastor Daniel is going to teach about a time when Joseph did just that thing. You're going to be reminded that sometimes being a good friend means you're going to make your friend mad. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 39 as he continues his message, Joseph in Egypt. These two, the butler and the baker, Pharaoh's servants who were in jail, they both have a dream in one night. And what's fascinating is Joseph notices when they wake up that they're sad. I mean, if anybody could have a pity party, it's Joseph, right? Like he's in jail and he was an honorable man. But while he's in jail, he is still compassionate enough to notice what's going on in someone else's life. Brothers and sisters, listen, if things are hard for you, I want to give you a piece of advice. Go serve somebody who needs help. Because when you start to serve other people, when you're concerned about other people, first off, it takes our focus off of ourselves. And we all know how the kingdom of self is highly fortified, likes to be focused on. But Joseph is still serving, and he sees these guys. He's like, what is wrong? And they're like, look, we had a dream, both of us, and there's no interpreter of the dream. And then Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God? He's like, wow. He's like, interpretation is not a man thing. It's a God thing. And then he says, tell them to me. And so then in verse 9, they start sharing. First, we get the butler's dream. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, 
And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So the butler, fascinatingly enough, has a dream about what his job was. He was one of the cupbearers for Pharaoh. He sees these branches, three branches. They're putting forth buds and blossoms. He's making the wine for Pharaoh and he's serving them. And Joseph interprets this. Listen, the three branches are three days. And after three days, Pharaoh's going to lift up your head. He's going to bless you again. And you're going to go back to your job. And then Joseph adds in at the end. And when that happens, remember me. I like this because Joseph is opportunistic in not an ungodly way. He's not conniving. He's just saying, look, when you get back before Pharaoh, don't forget that I'm here. I didn't do anything. I'm not here because of what I've done. Help me out. So Joseph is so confident in the Lord's interpretation of the butler's dream that he sees an opportunity maybe to get out of jail. He pleads for help. Now look what happens in verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now, the baker sees that the interpretation for the butler was good. And he says to himself, man, I like this. I got a dream also. He got excited. He didn't realize that his dream was not a good one for him. Because instead of Pharaoh lifting up the head of the butler, he's going to decapitate the baker. And Joseph tells him that too. Now, what I want to bring out of this is simply this. Sometimes sharing people the heart of God is not happy, happy, joy, joy. We live in a culture that we want to just make everyone feel warm and fuzzy. But some things in life just aren't warm and fuzzy. And I don't think as Christians we should be afraid to be honest with people. It's a lost art for people to be able to share things that people might not like, but we love them enough to tell them that. And you know what? Good friends will love people enough to say things that they know they're not going to like, but they need to hear. Sometimes we want so much to be liked that we don't actually love people. We love ourselves more. And I believe that God wants us to, when we are sharing a hard truth, to do it with kindness, with bedside manners. A lot of you have heard me talk about these things before. But we need to be able to share with people, like, listen, this is where this ends. This is the end game if we go down this road. So the baker's interpretation is negative. In three days, he's going to die. The butler's is positive. In three days, he's going to be back before Pharaoh. Now, look at what happens. In verse 20 of Genesis 40, Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all the servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler, and of the chief baker among his servants. And then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker 
as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. We find that Joseph's interpretation was solid. It happened as he had said. But notice, the butler didn't remember Joseph. He forgot. Now, right there we could say, oh, oh, this isn't good. This is really bad. But you know what? God has a perfect timing for everything, doesn't he? Look at chapter 41, verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by a river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. That reads really well, doesn't it? Fine-looking and fat. I like that. Verse 3. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then, behold, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. And so Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh has these multiple dreams. First, you got the seven cows, fat, happy cows. And you got these seven nasty-looking cows. And the seven nasty-looking cows ate the seven good-looking cows. Now, when we're talking about cows, we like them big. You guys know what it's like when you go buy a big, for those of you who eat meat, you vegetarians, just excuse the example. But you, when you go get a big piece of meat, you're like, now that's a piece of meat. You know, that comes off a big fat cow. Then he has this dream about grain. You want nice plump grain. You don't want some blighted looking grain, some nasty grain. It's the same dream twice. When Pharaoh wakes up in the morning, he thinks to himself, something's not right. The repetition of the dream cued Pharaoh in as something was going on. And he brings all the wise guys in. All, I like that, the wise guys. All the wise guys from his kingdom, they come on in. Nobody can tell him what's going on. And then in verse nine, two years later now, Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. And then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. Now, you see that? Two years now, Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. And then the butler remembers He remembers. And he tells Pharaoh, listen, he tells him the whole story of chapter 40. And what does Pharaoh do? He's so concerned, he calls for Joseph. And I like this. They brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. You know why I like this? Because this is exactly what God is doing to all of us. As God delivers us from our imprisonment to sin, he cleans us up and brings us to himself. 
The Bible's full of this, how God takes off our old robes and robes us in the robes of the righteousness of Jesus, the new robes. And our lives, the sanctification process of our lives is us getting cleaned up before our presentation to the king. And that's why as we look over our lives, we should be able to see growth in our lives. There are still growing edges and areas, but we should be able to look back and say, man, look at what God has done in me. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I will be, but I'm moving in the right direction. In some ways, Joseph is getting beautified here. They're shaving him. Now, we're not going to make any applications there. But he's being prepared to be presented to the ruler. And that's exactly what God is doing in each one of our lives. He's preparing us to present us to the king. Now, look at what happens now in verse 15. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. And this is verse 15. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You got to love Joseph. Does Joseph take any credit at all? No. He's like, it's not me. It ain't me, bro. He said, God will give you an answer of peace. Man, we have to be careful not to take credit for things that we had nothing to do with. I think of what it says in 1 Corinthians. What do you have that you did not receive? And why do you boast as if it was your own. If you have a gift, a talent, I mean, you think of, you know, we saw it with the Olympics with Usain Bolt, you know, where he was just boasting and how awesome he was. As if he invented the air in his lungs or he invented the fact that he had a great physique to be super fast. As if he, in and of himself, had the perseverance to train that way and not get hurt and all these things. See, that's a gift that's bestowed. And we have to be careful not to take glory for the things that God has given to us. And Joseph, again, and he's a model for us in this way. He's like, it's not with me, it's the Lord. I didn't do this, the Lord has done this. And I love this, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. God alone gives peace. God alone gives peace. Now, look at what happens in verse 17. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I've never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. We've heard this before. I'll withhold pithy comments for you. Verse 22. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered thin and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. 
The seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because this thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then the food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So Pharaoh recounts the dreams, and Joseph gives him the interpretation. Listen, the seven cows and the seven plump grains, that's seven years of plenty, seven years of blessing, followed by seven ugly-looking cows and seven blighted grain, which is seven years of famine. And the famine is going to be so bad that you're going to forget the seven years of blessing that came before it. So he entered, these dreams are one. You got this dream twice so that you realize that this is going to happen. And then Joseph adds wisdom to this by saying, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to get a wise man. I need to collect one-fifth of the grain during the time of plenty. Now, in that culture, 10% was the tax that you paid to the government. And a lot of us are saying, hey, that would be kind of nice now, wouldn't it? But that's neither here nor there. So he said, listen, collect double taxes and store the grain so that during the seven years of plenty, we'll be storing grain. And then when the seven years of severe famine come, we're going to have food to eat. So Joseph gives him counsel on what to do. And then in verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. And in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee! So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphpanath paneah And he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Wow. Wow. Talk about riches to rags to riches. Do you see what goes on here? 
Joseph shares this with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, look, we don't have anybody like this guy. Notice, in whom is the Spirit of God. In verse 38, Pharaoh recognized the Spirit of the Almighty God in Joseph. And he said, I don't have anybody like this guy in all of my empire. This is the guy that I want. This is the guy that I want. And what does he do? He returns Joseph to a place of authority over all the house. The only difference between Joseph and Pharaoh is that Pharaoh was the Pharaoh. And Joseph had access to everything once again. Now, I want to stop there. But before I close out, and we'll pick up here, I didn't want to rush through this blessing section. I want to talk about some of the different things that Pharaoh gave Joseph. But what I want you to realize is that at every step of the journey, Joseph was faithful. You see that? Joseph was a faithful servant of Potiphar. Joseph was a faithful servant in jail. And it makes me think that what the Bible says, that if you're faithful in the little things, God will give you greater things. And my closing exhortation to you is, can we be faithful in the things God has put in front of us? Like, if you're single and you want to be married, rather than obsessing about being married, be faithful as a single person. If you're in a job and you think you should be in another place in your company, rather than being focused on where you're not, be faithful where you are and see what God wants to do. I realize we live in an immediate culture, and there's not a lot of talk about faithfulness in American culture. I mean, we live in a culture that's pretty much devoid of the concept. Can we be faithful? You married folks, can you be faithful to your spouses? Not worry about what they're not, but loving them for who they are. Being faithful. If you have kids, you just don't want to get them out of the house so that you don't have to deal with it anymore. But can you love them right at the step that they're on? Being faithful to love them and guide them and nurture them. Mother Teresa said, God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. We live in a success culture, but really if we're faithful, then in God's economy, guess what? We're successful. If we are simply faithful to what God has put in front of us. And I love this about Joseph. At every step of the way, Joseph is just faithful. When he's in Potiphar's house, he's the ultimate guy in the house. When he's in the jail, he's the ultimate guy in the jail. And as we're going to see, as we complete this chapter, that when he's serving the Pharaoh, he's the best guy in Egypt. Why do I exhort you to be faithful? Because Jesus is the most faithful person in the world. Jesus is so faithful to us at every step of the way. And if we are being conformed into his image, then we will be faithful just as he is faithful. And my prayer for all of us is that we would be radically faithful to what God has put in front of us. Jesus is Joseph's story is an amazing one with the ups and downs, sometimes big downs of his life. He seems to maintain a faith in God that is very admirable. Pastor Daniel shared that the Bible stated that God was with Joseph in all of his situations and gave Joseph favor with all of the leadership wherever he was. 
This is such a critical lesson for us to be faithful to obey God, to live His way no matter what our circumstances are. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel begins his teaching, Brothers in Egypt. This teaching will begin with Joseph's becoming second in command in Egypt and the beginning of the fulfillment of Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph's brothers will come back on the scene as their family is also affected by the famine. Joseph's generosity toward those who wronged him most will be on display. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Brothers. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.